It's a pattern. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and as always, I am joined by... Av Sinensky. And Brendan Fitzpatrick. And last week we talked about 500 Days of Summer. And this week, due to a connection uh, about a movie about architects or people who are passionate about architecture... We will be discussing the 2017 Koganata film, winner of the film spotting Golden Brick for 2017, Columbus. That one is starring John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson, among others. Then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie based on connections from you, our bookish listeners, and <laughs> us, your short attention span hosts. <laughs> uh, we will be uh, talking through the plot elements and some spoilers about Columbus. So uh, if you do not want to be spoiled on it, we will put the timestamp in this uh, episode description so you can skip ahead to the ladder to find out what we're watching next week. Uh, of course, you can also pause this podcast and go and watch Columbus. It is streaming on Canopy if you have a library subscription, which is very fitting for this movie. It's also on the Criterion channel as well. Yep. Where that's, you can where, that's where I watched it. Um Weird bug with the Criterion channel. I don't know if you guys have discovered when you search something in the Roku app and it's available on Criterion and then you click play off of Criterion, it won't open it in the Criterion app. It'll say not available. Hmm. And so you have to actually go back in through or what I've had to do the last couple of times I've been trying to watch something on Criterion is I have to actually go into the Criterion app and search for it within the app to actually hmm. get it to play. So. Has has anyone ever vocalized a more first world problem on a podcast? <laughs> I know, right? That? These are the I mean, that is, problems that I'm currently dealing with here, guys. I have to press the second out. button to watch yeah. my. I think it's like a third. How many buttons is too actually. many buttons, guys? Yeah, um, yeah. My my <laughs> something my, about that first button off. Yeah, the, the bug that I've noticed with Roku recently is that it doesn't have HBO Max. Yeah, also true. That's all uh, right. The bug I've noticed with Roku recently is sometimes you'll search a movie and it'll come up with that movie, but it'll say 2020 and mm. you'll have to pay for it. And I think that that is the uh, Apple movies version of it. And yep. so if you click that, it, it says you have to pay for it, but then you have to find the version from the year it actually came out. So that actually uh, happened with last week with 500 days of summer. Um, I, it was available on Apple, but then I couldn't get it on Apple. So I had to go, to find it anywhere else, I had to go into the Amazon Prime app and actually search for it within yeah. the app. Or if you search it and you just look for the other one that comes up that has the correct year release here, that's correct. But anyways, if you're still with us, uh, we are going to be talking <laughs> about Columbus tonight. And uh, this is a new one for all three of us. It's also a new one for most of our listeners. Although uh, I went on Letterboxd from having like three people I'm friends with who have seen mm -hmm. it. To now tons of people who have seen it. Although, Will from America, it is still on your watch list, so uh, get well, on it. Will from America is too busy writing songs that slap. Yeah. Bops well, that slap. Bops that slap, sorry. I wouldn't I, say this I, movie I, is a bop that slaps, but... Uh, it, does, it does not slap. It, it, you know, there are things bop. to admire about it. It's, yeah, it's not a bop. It does not slap. <laughs> it's a uh, something that... Meanders? I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. You'll find, <laughs> you'll, we'll get to it. You'll find out. Uh, so, uh, of course... Uh, if we did not convince you to use your Roku to go watch Columbus in lots of <laughs> places, you should do that and then uh, come back and listen to this discussion. Or you also can use that timestamp to skip ahead to when we talk about the latter. As always, once we do pick our movie, you can submit your feedback, ratings, questions, and next movie connections to us on Twitter, at Ladder Movie. We are also on Letterboxd under 
ladder, uh, the movie ladder on Letterboxd. And uh, you can email us, themovieladder at gmail.com. We like to go through the feedback and connections. So we will do that towards the end of the show after we discuss Columbus. But first, we like to talk about things we recently watched. So, guys, what have you seen in the last week? What was the best thing you saw in the last week? Ah, we'll start with you. Um, I only saw one other movie this week, um, and that was a movie I watched this afternoon with my daughter, a movie called Return to Oz. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Oh, so scary. It's, um, it's a movie that I spent uh, a good portion of my life trying to thrust on people who mm-hmm. did not believe me that there was a second movie of The Wizard of Oz. Um, which the, there kind of isn't. This is it's like kind of a sequel, but not really. Um, it's all different. Obviously, it's it's a different actress. They they weren't able to get Judy Garland to play a right. uh, seven year old girl in 1985. <laughs> um, but also, it's like I guess they must have like not fully licensed the like all the IP because like the the uh, imagery of like the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the line are completely different. The uh, mm-hmm. Oz looks completely different. Like the Emerald City, like the Yellow Brick Road. It's just like it's not the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like like the main like takeaway from this movie is that it's like the same but completely different. Like there, it's like canon to an extent with it's the original nineteen thirty nine. Oh, it is. It is a really yeah. creepy night, nightmare inducing yeah. movie. Um, between the uh, the wheelers, these like crazy mm. bandits on roller skate that kind of like have taken over the Emerald City, and the uh, the queen. Um, can't remember her yeah. name. Queen Mombi or Princess Mombi, who's this mm-hmm. woman who has this like powder that she uses to like take other people's severed heads, and like she walks around without a head and just like. Why would you share this to your daughter? She loved it. Afterwards, she told me she liked this better than the original, which Amazing. I gave her a, a strong talking to about how that's not acceptable. But <laughs> not in my don't mind. tweet that, or you're gonna get dragged. Yeah, um, yeah. No, this is like this is a classic cult movie that, like, if you grew up yeah. with this and saw it twenty times as a as a kid, it's like yeah. permanently embedded in your brain, and you love Same. it. And if you try to show it to a new person or at least an adult, they'll probably like think you're on acid for making them watch it. Uh, it's like so dark. It's so creepy and and bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. Like, I, like I, there were like lines of this movie that I was like yelling out loud as they were being said. Like I couldn't believe how well I remembered like every plot point of this movie. Yeah, it's a movie I definitely feel like if I were to rewatch it now, I would have that same thing where I'm remembering lines out loud that I didn't think were still in my brain. It's one of those movies like I have an older sister who's only like a little over a year older than me, and so we would watch a lot of the same movies on HBO all the time. And this is one of those ones that we watched on HBO or wherever it was playing over and over and over and over again and it's like embedded in my brain as just like a creepy weird crazy movie that i'm never gonna forget from my childhood like it it's definitely one of those ones that when you watch it it shapes like the way you think about movies yeah and how how scary they can be to a child brain yeah i don't think i got uh very far into this one um, when I was a kid. Now, it's been a long time since I tried to watch it, but I remember thinking the beginning was very scary. So, yeah. I've, uh, you watched E.T. and Return to Oz with your daughter. So, I think you need to complete the trifecta. Watch Powder with your daughter. That was another movie that scared me <laughs> as a kid. Uh, yeah. And also Edward Scissorhands. And then you will have uh, shown yeah. her everything. Yeah, Scissorhands. Uh, there's, just, there's also just like a really fascinating backstory about this movie. So, it was directed by Walter Murch, who, if you're a big cinephile, you might recognize that name as just like a guy who was 
buddies with both George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola in the 70s. And his other – this is the only movie he wrote – sorry, I think maybe one other movie. He, re- he wrote and directed this movie, and those are the only movies that he ever, I think, wrote or directed except for maybe one other. He was really more of like a technical guy. And his, his other film credits include little-known films like The Godfather – the Conversation, American Graffiti, Apocalypse Now, The Godfather Part Three, The English Patient, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, K-19, The Widowmaker. So, like, this is, like, a guy who's been, like, involved in a lot of serious films, and this was, like, his one chance to ever, you know, be, like, the lead writer, director, however you want to think of it. And he was actually fired by the studio in the middle of the project because they didn't like they didn't like the script or they didn't like the direction it was going in. And uh, Lucas and Coppola went to the studio and went went to bat for him and got him put back on the movie. Um, of course, uh, the the studio was thanked by this being a an all time flop. I think it like earned like ten million dollars against a thirty million dollar mm. budget, which is like just horrifically bad. Um, but it, it remains, you know, it's a movie that like. I get again, people like wouldn't believe me when I told them. And like, it's yeah. kind of like just like it was just a movie that I felt like always belonged just to me all these years. So it's just like weird to see it on Disney Plus. Oh, wow. Well, it's on Disney Plus. That's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a Disney movie. Disney bought the Disney. I, I don't know if they still do. They bought the rights to like the whole Wizard of Oz IP at some point, yeah. some point back in the 50s. And they didn't really do much with it, which is surprising, like especially now, like given like all the success that these like IP properties um, mm-hmm. have had, you would think that like someone would be like handed the keys to to Oz and like there's like 15 books. Like you would think that this would be like one of the things that we would see a bunch right. of stuff. But about. this, but they don't own Wizard of Oz because that's an they don't own the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, no, that still belongs to uh, probably Paramount. I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, well, it's on HBO Max, so I would assume Warner Brothers. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It was, uh, I mean, it was MGM because I know the line from the beginning, but I don't know who right. it is now. Uh, so are you going to watch The Wiz next? I've never seen The Wiz. I've never seen uh, it. I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> I guess it Obviously. does start my The Wiz is a really fun musical. I, I like The Wiz. Um, I worked on a production of The Wiz one year uh, doing college summer stock theater. Um, my, freshman, my freshman year of college, I went to a summer stock in Albany, New York, and worked as a production assistant. On at this outdoor theater in Albany, and the one of the shows we did was The Wiz, so I have a little special place in my heart for The Wiz. Yeah, I have one of the songs from The Wiz on my uh, on a playlist that I use when I host trivia a lot. So mm-hmm. that one comes up. Uh, all right, so uh, that that was your only movie. That was your movie by default. Return to Oz. I will not be returning to Return to Oz unless forced to. <laughs> uh, Brendan, what was the best one you watched? So I, I watched a couple of things this week, but I'll focus on one that uh, I've been meaning to watch forever, and it's been on my watch list for a really long time, and I finally wove my way to it on my movie ladder this week, and I watched the 1998, or 1988 uh, comedy classic of Fish Called Wanda. Ah, nice. and It's come this, up on this podcast a few times. It's come yeah. on this podcast a couple of times. We've never done it on this podcast, but it came up on my movie ladder. Um after watching a simple plan, I decided to go with heists involving a, you know, kind of useless crew of idiots. And this movie was really fantastic. Everybody is knocking it out of the park performance-wise. Uh, great performances from Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein, John Cleese, Michael Palin. Um, I think one of the things I really liked about it was it sort of felt like a Christopher Guest movie and a Monty Python movie had a movie baby. Mm, movie baby and, podcast. Yeah, and had a movie baby. And it 
was a wonderful, wonderful movie, and I understand why this movie was nominated for so many awards, if not won a bunch of them. Um, it's so just does a really the humor good time. in it hold up? Yeah. I think the, it... the humor holds up, except for there's some unfortunate events involving a dog. Yeah, I do sort of remember that. And a lot of people probably, that probably won't age well for a lot of people, what happens to the to the dog a few times in this movie um, without spoiling anything. It's not, it's not fun to watch. Hmm. And, you know, I covered my mouth and my eyes a few times, but it was still a really, really well done movie. Um, not sure where I'm going to go next, but Fish Called Wanda is a 80s classic for a reason and it holds up. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to rewatch that at some point. I figured yeah. uh, maybe at some point we will get to see that. I, I don't know if uh, Av has ever seen it. I, we know that he doesn't like the British. I have not. So yeah. I have not. And this is set entirely in London, so it may not be for you. Uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of money Python sensibility to it. So, so did you end up? Are you going to watch? Um, what is it called? Dangerous creatures. Uh, fierce creatures. I'm probably going to go to fierce creatures next. Yeah, which is considered the spiritual sequel. It has the exact same cast and came out about ten years later. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I, I plan on watching that next. Mm. All right. Cool. All and right. Then I might well, watch. We, and then my, then I might watch We Bought a Zoo because it's a, <laughs> Fierce Creatures is about people who inherit a zoo. Just go all all animal yeah. movies. All yeah. zoos, yeah. And then I'll do Zoo Story and then Zootopia and yeah. Oh, Zootopia is great. You and I saw Zootopia that. Zootopia is great. Yeah. Brennan and I were the only adults in the theater that didn't come with kids when we went to Zootopia, and we brought a bottle of scotch with us and drank oh, yeah. it and sat in like the second row and watched Zootopia. I, I saw Zootopia at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Uh, by by myself, uh, because my wife was taking my one daughter at the time to like gymnastics or something. I don't remember mm. maybe a birthday party, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go see a movie. Let's see what's playing." Only thing that I heard it was good is Utopia. I went there. I arrive, and there's like a long line of parents with their kids, and I'm like, kind of you know trying to navigate my way you know into the theater, and I hear uh, someone from the theater comes out. They're like, "Hey, we just want to let everyone know the 10 a.m. showing of Utopia is completely sold out." Um, if anyone, you know, if you want to see the movie, like it's playing again at eleven ten or whatever, mm -hmm. and you know, obviously there's a lot of very unhappy children and parents, and you know, they're all freaking out. And I emerge from the back and be like, um, sorry, I have a, I have a prepaid ticket, so if I can just, uh, <laughs> just me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, I hope, I, in my head, I thought, I hope this is a lesson to all of you. Reserve your seat in yeah. advance, AMC stubs, <laughs> and go to movies by yourself. <laughs> so. Nice. And the, right. the lesson is don't have kids. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> my uh, I don't know how to I don't know how to transition from that. So I only saw two movies this week. Uh, one was an MCU movie that Brendan and I watched and uh, chatted along watching Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, I forgot to log that. <laughs> yeah, um, that was not the best movie I saw this week. It uh, the first time I saw it, I thought it was good, you know, ish. Second time I saw it, I liked it a lot better. Third time I saw it, I liked it less. Um but the other movie I saw that I do want to talk about is Spike Lee's new movie streaming on Netflix, To Five Bloods. I watched that as part of my personal movie ladder. And uh, I've been wanting to see uh, more Spike Lee movies, either rewatch or first watch. So I think I'm going to take this time on my personal movie ladder just to go through a whole bunch of Spike Lee movies. Um, so The Five Bloods is his newest one. It's about a group of uh, four Vietnam vets who returned to Vietnam in the current and uh, like in the present time. And, uh, they are looking for the body of, uh, their fallen soldier, fallen, uh, fellow blood, as well as a buried treasure. So it follows them, get some flashbacks to Vietnam. 
Um, I liked a lot of what they did with this movie, but I just I don't I, I feel like some Spike Lee movies, especially I thought Black Klansman, I was just like blown away when I saw that movie and it was really, really impactful. And while this one does have some things that, you know, it's definitely a timely movie. Uh, especially right now, it's very timely, but even just kind of with the current state of politics and uh, one of the characters in the movie is a, a Trump voter. So it does touch on that stuff. And I think it dives into a whole lot of different current events. I just didn't feel like it got as impactful and in depth as I was hoping that this movie would get. So I think all three of us have now seen it. I actually haven't yet. Uh, oh, you haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's obviously I, very high on my to-do list, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, hopefully this weekend, because I, I have to like talk it. about it, it on uh, There Will Be Pod next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think so it I, has a very unique um, spin on soldiers in the Vietnam War that I haven't seen portrayed in this specific way before, which is what I really appreciated about it. Um, you know, as the son of a Vietnam veteran who has watched a shit ton of Vietnam movies, um, it really it struck me in a way that i never really considered um Af the, the plight of african-american soldiers and what they were going through and what was happening back home during that time so it it hit a chord that i and made me consider something i never really thought about so i, I really appreciated that i, but agree I won't that. get into any specific spoilers yeah I, I agree with that and i think uh you know i don't want to come off like oh it's you know it's just like kind of throwaway movie like there's there's a lot of thought put into it it's a perspective i definitely uh, mm. was not really aware of uh, i never really thought about black soldiers serving in vietnam so i think it mm. it's definitely interesting it's interesting to see um kind of just even the reunion of them you know they reunite at the beginning of the movie um after many years not together and it's just the the chemistry between the four leads is really good and um, I, I definitely I definitely really liked it. It's my number one movie of 2020, although I think that's number one of like six right now. So right. uh, we'll see what's on that top ten list by the end of the year. But I'm excited to get into more uh, more Spike Lee movies. I think I'm going to watch Malcolm X next. So and then uh, definitely going to watch Re Do the Right Thing again sometime soon and uh, a bunch of his other ones. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this to you offline. If you really want to keep going down the Spike hole, um, definitely look at Clockers. Which yeah, I that's like on my that's get. on my list of things yeah, to watch. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed my watch of Clockers. I feel like it doesn't get enough attention, but that that movie really struck me, and I, I really liked it. Um, without that movie, we probably wouldn't have had The Wire, because it oh. shares a lot of the same um, thematic and tone resonance as The Wire. Oh, cool. So, yeah. As somebody who's currently making my way through The Wire and has hit a little bit of a standstill as I've been watching Dark so much. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be good to watch right this now. This might help you get back on the wire train if yep. you watch Clockers. So. Yep. There you go. Cool. All right. So with that, with getting back on the train, let's take the train to Columbus. Columbus, Indiana, which was a surprise to me, not Columbus, Ohio. So this <laughs> movie is from 2017. Uh, it was Av's pick for a connection for 500 Days of Summer. And uh, just to kind of intro what this movie is about, if you have never heard of it. So I think all of us first heard of it about it on Film Spotting, which is a movie podcast that we all listen to, um, where they go pretty in-depth a lot of times into some movies I've never heard of. And they have an annual award called The Golden Brick, which they give to a first-time director that is named after the movie Brick, which came off of Ryan Johnson. And this movie won the Golden Brick Award in 2017. Uh, I don't know what it was up against. Uh, I can take a look. I uh, don't recall. I know there were it, a couple of documentaries in the running as well as... Let's see. Yeah, so uh, 
Yeah, so it, it did win their highest honor for a first-time director. So Coconata, mm-hmm. this was his first time. Uh, from what I've researched about Coconata, it looks like he did more uh, YouTube essays, which kind of fits with the way that this is this movie is constructed because it is definitely a, a lot more of a mood movie and a little bit slower. Um, it's about two lead characters, uh, Casey, who lives in Columbus, Indiana, and Jin, who comes to Columbus, Indiana because his father suffers some sort of health uh, emergency. We're never really told what it is. Probably a stroke or a heart attack because um, he collapses suddenly. And they meet and they start to strike up a friendship. And it's just kind of about the growth of both of them uh, going through the city of Columbus. And it highlights a lot of the architecture. Um, Casey is very interested in architecture. So architecture plays a big role in this movie just in terms of setting the mood. So, um, Av, since this was your selection, why don't you tell us why you initially picked this and what were your initial, uh, what were your takeaways from this movie? Yeah, so this was, uh, Columbus was a movie that was, has been on my list for a few years. Um, it was one of those like 2017 movies that was on my list that year and I just like didn't get to in my end of the year sprint to see as many movies as I can before the end of the year for like list making purposes. Um, and then often those movies tend to fall by the wayside if you don't see them that year. At least that's my mm-hmm. experience. Um, so I, uh, when I saw that, when I was looking for movies about architects, uh, something to go off of last week's uh, 500 Days of Summer, I saw that on a list and I said, oh, awesome. Like I've been meaning to see this movie for a while and it fits perfectly in with our theme. And I know, you know, the, the film spotting uh, Brick is usually a good choice. Uh, last year's winner was Last uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was one yep. of my favorite movies last year. So I said, great, let's uh, let's give this a shot. Um, and I would say that while there was definitely stuff that I admired about this movie um, and that I found to be really impressively done, uh, it was just like not a movie that really spoke to me in any sort of meaningful way. And I also just like found it like a tough watch. Like it's, it's a real slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... I would say it's almost like Linklater-esque. Like it reminded me of before the Before Us trilogy, just because you have like yeah. a young man and a young woman kind of just like walking around town talking about life and metaphors and deep things. Um, except I guess I guess just maybe some of the stuff was above my head because the stuff that I found really endearing in the Before Us trilogy, I just found to be kind of strange and off-putting. And I guess just, I, I you know, I don't know, just maybe like too artsy for me. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I saw a Letterboxd review and somebody mentioned Linklater in their review and they said they'd love to see uh, the Jin and Casey character come together in like 10 years, much like the the before trilogy and see like a sequel to this movie in yeah, that I'd, style. I'd be yeah, happy I, to remain, uh, have that remain a mystery. <laughs> I could see that. I think I think the biggest thing and with my takeaway from this movie is the characters don't seem to connect with each other in the right way. And I think part of that has to do with the thesis of the film itself. And I think the the film has a really strong thesis statement that it opens on with that first conversation or second conversation between um, Colkin's character and the female lead. Crap. So Casey, her name is Casey. Casey. Um, yeah, yeah she's played by Haley, Haley Lou Richardson. And, um, Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah, Haley Lou Richardson and Culkin have this conversation about attention versus interest and being able to keep your attention or whether being able to keep your attention means you're actually interested in the thing or if you're if distraction is the same thing as boredom. And it's the, it's a really interesting solid thesis and it actually reminded me of a little bit watching this movie 
reading one of my old college term papers while I was home on vacation. Mm. I I had a lot of notes reading back through my college term papers where my professor would say, you have a great thesis, but then you lose it by the end because nothing you're saying is really connecting to your thesis in a meaningful way. So your thesis is great, your supposition is great, but you're not putting in the work. You're, you're saying all these profound things, but those profound things aren't directly connected to your thesis. So it's great that you're having these thoughts, but your, your overall narrative is lost. It's not there. So I, uh, I, that's what I felt watching this film. Is I loved the initial thesis that is laid out in that conversation between Culkin and Hillary Lou Richardson. And then I feel like the movie lost that thesis. And but the only thing I couldn't figure out was whether that was intentional or not intentional. Because yeah. if it's intentional, wow, that's great. Because guess what? I totally lost interest in your thesis. And I maybe that's the point you were trying to make is that I, I your characters so. aren't that How convenient. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like, think that's, that's what it is. That's convenient. And that's maybe an interesting way to look at it, but that doesn't necessarily make it good, even yeah. if that's your intention. Because so at that, the end of the day, you still have to make a good movie. Are right, you done? You done with your thesis? To summarize, <laughs> no, I'm good. All right. All right, go ahead, Zach. Yes, okay. So uh, I want to jump in a lot of ways. Um, no, so I, I actually was like, I, I heard from Av before I saw this movie that he said mm. that he was uh, pretty bored watching it. And I'd seen a couple reviews coming in, one from Jeff that was not very good. So while I came in last week thinking I was really excited to see this, uh, this was also a movie I was going to recommend because when I thought of Architects, I re- that was the only thing I knew about this movie. It's about Architects that had John mm. Cho in it. Um, and I so I, I had pretty low expectations. I was expecting something boring. I was like, all right, I'm settled in. Put my phone away. I'm going to like really pay attention to this movie. And... Um, I think that this movie is about a lot of things. I think that the conversation that you referenced, Brendan, is really interesting. It's one I wrote a lot of stuff about when I took mm-hmm. notes, but I didn't even really think about it coming in, like, to the end of the movie. Um, what, for me, this really struck a chord with is the idea of kind of uh, feeling a duty to your parents and, um, you yeah. know, being in a small town. And this, you know, I, th- I think for me, it struck a little bit differently because I currently am in a small town. I'm currently living with my mom. Um, well, you know, at least quarantining with my mom. I have my own place to live, but uh, I've been here for the last few months while the pandemic has been going on. And we're getting to the point where I'm kind of like, all right, I think I'm ready to go back to my apartment and leave, uh, leave quarantine. And, you know, I really identified with Casey actually in a lot of ways. I first identified with Casey just how much she's in the kitchen and she's cooking and she's uh, to me, it looked like she was ca- she was taking her food scraps and putting them in the compost bin. And it's like all the stuff I do normally. And she's weighing this decision where she wants to follow her dream. And, you know, I'm, I don't have any necessarily a dream that I'm following, but just the idea of like leaving and, and kind of spreading your wings, um, which is what she ends up doing by the end of this movie. And I think this once I hit the end of this movie, I actually rewatched the first 15 minutes of it because I think stylistically there's a lot that they do. And it really is captured in those first uh, ending and beginning. But uh, what I really got out of this was just the idea of of her having to make that tough decision. And, um, you know, she feels a a connection to her mother, but also a a duty to help take care of her mother. So, um, you know, I I didn't feel the, the attention versus interest, except 
you know, what you're saying about uh, the way it's styled, I think that could be something with the style on it. I think yeah, that, part that of the co- problem with that argument is, or, or, I appreciate what you're saying, and that, to me, during that entire thing, you didn't say a word about John Cho, and he's supposed to be our main character. So yeah. make the movie about her. Uh I don't, know if, I don't know. I don't know if the been. movie's about. I don't know if John Cho's the main character. He's the first listed actor because he's the bigger star. Right. The, the 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 beginning and end, or at least the beginning, is set up to be a story about him and yeah. his family. And so we, I think, I think it would have made more narrative sense if the first thing we saw was her making her interaction with her mother and you know that sort of thing if we if we had realized that she was actually the focus supposed to be the focus of the movie i think that would have been better for the movie because i thought she gave a much better performance and her storyline was much more compelling than whatever john Cho had going so uh Ab, what you were gonna say Marshall. before i react to oh that. just, that, just that, that conversation from the beginning was uh mm. a conversation that like completely already like put me on a uh i guess a negative mindset for this movie <laughs> because i was just like rolling my eyes at everything that rory colkin said like it felt like the type of thing that like two guys come up with like two stoner guys come up with in their dorm room oh, to like justify sure. why like it's cool that they're playing video games all night instead of like reading books for class because like oh well you know maybe books are the things that are bad and video games are the things that are good and like and my <laughs> philosophy teacher would be bored if he played a video game so maybe he's the and one I, whose brain I think is that's why i liked it is because it reminded me of every dude i hung out with in college like i completely related to that dude i probably was that dude at points in college and it that's i think that's why i actually liked that and hung on to that to that argument and that thesis, because I, I thought I, it actually made me interested in where the story might go. And yeah, I, I, I wasn't I, sure what the point of the Gabriel character, Rory Calkins character, was. Besides mm-hmm. making me for the first half of the movie be like, that guy looks like Macaulay Culkin, and <laughs> then realizing uh, by the end of the movie that that was his brother. Yeah, this he's the one that was in, this is the one that was in Signs. Yeah. Correct. Oh, yeah, okay. So not, not the one in Home Alone, not and the, not the one Succession. Not Succession. He's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he's kind of just supposed to represent, like, this small town, and, like, right. she's, like, she's like kind of wants to get away from here, but is being kind of trapped here by her mother, the same way that Jin is temporarily, like, trapped in purgatory here because of his father ended up here, and, like, this kind of, like... I don't know if pretentious is the right word, but like pseudo intellectual who's like probably like the hot shot in a small place like this. But like well, he said he has a master's degree. The first thing they talk about is master's degree. Yeah, but but they agree it's in like something stupid, right? Like, uh, well, she said she wants to get an MPL, I think was what she said, which is a, I'm, uh, I'm assuming that's master's in public libraries um, or maybe it was MLP was what MLS is what she said, uh, which I'm guessing is master's, master's in library in science, library science. not major league yeah. soccer. No, not <laughs> soccer. And uh, so when they're talking about it, you know, she she is talking about how she wants to get one. And he said, you know, don't get a don't get an MLS. It's like the most worthless uh, master's degree you can get. Um, and and then, yeah, and, and like they, the, you know, they they have a, a weird relationship because it seems like in the beginning of the movie, she's interested in him. And mm. by the end of the movie, he's interested in her. Like he invites himself to come to her house for dinner the night before she's going to leave for college. And she. Uh, she turns him down after he turns her down at the beginning of the movie. So um, he's yeah, he's one hundred percent that guy in the small town that's never going to leave the small town and has no great ambitions. Like yeah, he's, he's like the he's a, the big fish in a small pond, and right. she has yeah. bigger ambitions to be go be the small fish in a big pond somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Right. 
or at least by the end of the movie, after meeting Jin and having that kind of experience with him, she realizes that this small town is not for her. Uh, Speaking of this small town, did you guys know the uh, there's a public figure who grew up in Columbus, Indiana? Oh, did not. Who is that? It's uh, our very own vice president, Mike Michael Pence. Oh, jeez. That makes sense. This movie less. Yeah, I was was going to say Rupert Columbus. Yeah, well, you would have been close if you said Rupert. Yeah, I mean, and so, so like, one of the big styles, and I was trying to put my finger on it, it wasn't until the actual line in this movie, which is what I opened the podcast with, uh, and that is when Casey says, you know, it's a pattern, and she's talking about her mother's behavior as a pattern, that her mother gets interested in all these, uh, all these terrible guys that had a meth addiction in her past, and that was actually when I feel like I really turned into really liking this movie, instead yeah. of just, like, trying to kind of figure out what was going on and, like, scrutinize it. Then once I realized where it was going um and the fact that she says it's a pattern and it just kind of that that line you know brennan you talk about thesis statement i I think it's a pattern is is the is the overall arc and theme of this movie that like not only stylistically is there patterns in this movie and there are tons of patterns the way this movie is shot and the way it's uh the colors and the reflections but just that casey's life is a pattern she's just in this pattern and and to a way jen's life is in a pattern too they're just kind of the pattern for them is they're like two ships crossing in the night where she's trying to get out of the town and Jin realizes by the end of the movie that he wants to come into the town because he wants to be there for his father. Yes, he's dead. Yeah. So. Yeah, they, they, kind of, I, they kind of switch places. Right. Yeah. And I do exactly. think that like it's yeah, this is a movie do. where it's about both of them. It's not just about one of them. So the fact that it opens with Jin's father to me signifies that it's the inciting incident is Jin's father having a stroke or whatever uh that's what brings Jin into town and, and Jin and casey help each other grow to be in a different place by the end of the movie and then after we see the opening with Jin's father then we see then we start seeing a lot of stuff with casey and it's not until we see casey sitting outside of the hospital that then we actually see Jin for the first time we see him walking into the hospital yeah and i did really like their the, one of the first scenes they had they were walking along a fence and it was almost like a split screen Mm-hmm. Yep. type scene and I really liked that and appreciated that visually where it's like okay these two are equal on others both sides of the screen and that's when they sort of started to come together and right. they set up that same thing and do the same kind of thing with the um scene when they're hanging out at the car like where the under the bri- three bridge lights and they're under the car and they are on under opposite the- sides of the car under the bank the, building that she really yeah. likes. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, And, I and that's that when they start thing. having and, the conversation about her mother. And I like and that. He, that he was... even asks, he says, did your mother do math? And she, instead of answering, she can't even say, she can't even answer it. She just laughs it off until he keeps asking. And I think it's not until he phrases it the other way where he says, did your mother not do math? And she says, <laughs> oh, no, she did. Um, and, and that was about the point. Really for me, too, yeah. Right. That's I, about I, the point I, where I got much more into this movie. And then. It actually, like, I, I would recommend anybody watch this if you still have access to it. Go back and watch the first ten minutes because the end of the movie and the beginning of the movie actually mirror quite a bit, uh, at least visually. And once you that opening scene, it didn't make any sense to me the first time. And then when you watch it, when I watch it, knowing where the movie's going, it actually made a lot more sense. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it, it was interesting that like she points out that like these like beautiful architectural structures in Columbus are like for very 
utilitarian purposes. Like it's like banks, it's um, libraries. Like it's not like these like majestic buildings. Right. It's like no, we need, we need like, we needed to like make the strip mall, but like we're we're gonna make it like super architectural and with cool yeah. designs and original. And the best, I mean, it, it is subjective, obviously, because it's art. And this movie did kind of feel like almost to me like an art museum come to life in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought the coolest, the very coolest building in the entire movie was, she said was in her bottom teens to twenties. And that was like the three brick walls that looked at like they were floating in the air. And we see that shot a couple times in the movie. And I love that building. I thought if that's a real building, I think it's awesome. Yeah. But Casey cool. didn't like it. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, for me, I, what I noticed, even from the very first scene, the very first line that I wrote down is I wrote down very artistic looking house, lots of colors popping out of the white, including yeah. an umbrella. So like that house and that's the house we go to at the end of the house at the end of the movie, too. It's the I believe it's the Miller house is what it's called. And um, it's just like a, a historic looking house that they tour. And yeah. we actually even get a shot of Jin's father. And this is one of the things that I didn't notice until the second time watching that scene. Jin's father standing behind that house looking onto the landscape, the backyard behind the house. And it's the exact same shot that we get of Jin at the end of the movie when him and Casey go to the Miller house. Yeah, so it's, it's just it's just like that reflection. Yeah, and that's exactly what you were saying. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like visually, this movie is actually really interesting and i thought the best thing the movie had going for it to be honest which is what i thought until the way yeah the way the scenes are set up and structured and opposed to each other framed the way the 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 way the the framing of the settings are great yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's really incredible there's the one scene with um parker posey and uh judge where they're in his apartment and you're watching a conversation through the mirror which i know we've seen in a hundred movies like we saw it in Memento, it's, like a five and, minute, it's like a five minute conversation that you but have. it's great it's fantastic like i love scenes that are like that like visually i, I always find that compelling yeah and what i think probably my favorite thing they did visually also was near the beginning um so they had that really mon- this really mundane conversation between casey and her friend that just came back from college Emma, and in so. the background they're like in between two panels of library stacks and you just see um Karen Culkin go back and forth back and forth back and forth making little looks doing little movements mm-hmm. and I thought that was fantastic I really liked that because it made me realize it doesn't matter what the hell they're talking about because my focus is actually supposed to be on him trying to like get so what they were talking what they were talking about is uh her not going to college and Emma was right. like come on you got to go to college you got to go like when are you leaving this town and Casey not wanting to leave the town that but I mean, like, the, the conversation was so mundane. I was like, I don't even think I'm no, supposed to. No, it wasn't, to because the conversation was what the plot of the movie is. The conversation <laughs> was about Casey. But I don't think I was supposed to be focusing on that. I don't know. Uh, the, way the, the, way the, the way the scene was set up and the way it was structured and the way the camera was structured, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be focusing on that. I was supposed to be focusing on Colgan. See, you're but the video game player, and I'm the book reader. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Of? <laughs> Um, I think I'll probably more with Zach on this one. Um, I mean, yeah, Colkin is definitely not the main character. Like any, any like he's supposed to be in the well, background. I, I think it was just kind of like reversing your expectation there. But it, the, the focus is really on her, I think. But I but, do, I do agree with you. The way they shot the library is really cool. The, yeah. I love the way they shot the libraries throughout this movie. Sure, made me miss going to the library because. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there's just like so many just like cool like geometric shots with like yeah. people just like existing in space. Um, there was just like there were a lot of scenes that were like really pretty to look at. So like I definitely get why this was like a movie that a lot of people really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like I just didn't think the the story and the characters just like didn't connect with me enough to like elevate it beyond that. Like that's you know that's like a good starting point. And obviously this is a guy's first movie. Um so like, you know, most people's first movies are crap. Like you don't even hear about them. Like most directors until like their second, third, fourth don't really uh emerge. Um he it's interesting. Uh I already forgot his name. Koganada. Koganada. Um he he uh before this he was like a uh he did like a lot of like YouTube videos like mm-hmm. analyzing movies like these video essays where he was like very focused on like the shots and like how how a shot is framed and like what that teaches you about what the filmmaker is trying to tell you. So this is like right up his alley in terms yeah. of like w- what he's trying to do with his movie is like what he sees in other movies. So that's definitely interesting. Yeah, that was something that I uh, I didn't know until after the movie. And I read that he was a YouTube video essayist. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because this movie does remind yeah. me of like, if you ever watch like the nerd writer videos on YouTube or like any of those, like where they break down a scene, it does seem like, you know, he put every shot I, I wrote down, every shot is just feels so deliberate and intentional. And he holds a lot of the shots. I mean, the camera doesn't move very much in this movie. So you see yeah. kind of a, a a setup, and then you see everything happening within that frame. Um, Brendan, yeah, going he... back to the, the scene that you brought up with the John Cho and Parker Posey when they're in the hotel room and they're talking and there's the reflection of the mirror. At one point, you know, he, John Cho, uh, uh, what is his name? Jin tries to make a move on her, and she turns him down and says, we can't do this. We don't know why. Um and when he gets up to leave, then he moves from the reflection on the mirror closest to them to the bathroom mirror. And so you can mm-hmm. see the two of them, but you only see the reflection in two different mirrors. So that looked really neat. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, I, I agree. There's, I think that's what the movie definitely has going for it the most is the way you can, you can see how talented a visual storyteller Koganata is. And I, I just wish that the, um, that the plot and the, actors were up to the visual material that he's yeah i don't know if the act i don't know if the acting was i I would agree the acting wasn't like anything great it was kind of stiff yeah Yeah, i mean yeah i I don't even blame the actors i I just felt like the characters when does does intention become you know go from being intentional to bad you know what's the line between he intentionally cast these people to be boring or these people are boring because the material is well, yeah. and they they often say acting is a result of directing, and this is his right. first movie, so he might just not have. I mean, so he's a YouTube yeah. he's a YouTube essayist. He might not know how to direct actors very well. Yeah, well, according to him, if also, um if this movie didn't hold your attention, then that's the movie's fault, not the viewer's fault. Exactly. Or at least yep. according to Rory Culkin. I don't know about uh, according, according to, to Koganada. <laughs> I mean, Gabriel might be like one of those characters who says things, but he's like the anti-narrator. There's probably right. a term for that where he says this stuff, but he's like the opposite of what you're supposed to Yeah, do. I mean, it's hard to believe that a guy who makes this kind of movie would buy the crap that that character is selling. That <laughs> yeah. like video games, right, maybe, maybe those are just as sophisticated as philosophy books because, you know, if, if uh, just because they're purposely – wired to like manipulate your brain to want, make you want to keep playing them well, um, maybe that makes them interesting and if the movie is about appreciating architecture and appreciating art that's kind of the opposite as well um and i'm not like one to appreciate architecture i mean i can see things um that i like and actually i did have a discussion question on that point that i will 
bring back to, but um, mm-hmm. like there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house right around the corner from my mom's house, actually. There's a Frank like a Lloyd famous... Wright house next door to my parents' house. Oh, really? Oh, look at that. Uh, it actually just went on the market. It's like $450,000, which for around here is very expensive. Um, Interesting. For my, yeah. for my parents' neighborhood, that's not expensive. But no. that the Frank Lloyd Wright house, I think it, it, when it went for sale, it went for like less than what you would expect because everything is like – what's the word? Like historically preserved. Mm. So like you need to get like clearance from like some society if you want to like change a light fixture. Oh, so wow. like. So, like, it keeps the prices sometimes artificially low because, like, who in their right mind wants to buy a house that, like, you can't do anything to without getting permission from, like, the New Jersey Historical Society every year. Right. Can you tour – because I've always wanted to tour the Frank Lloyd Wright house, but I don't think you can actually tour it. Um, my wife and I went to the one in uh, Scottsdale mm-hmm. um, when, when, when my first daughter was very – was a baby, um, and it's mm-hmm. awesome. Like, I loved it. I, I'm, like, I want to go to the one in Pennsylvania. I forgot what it's called, like, Falling Water or something. Um, what's funny about Frank Lloyd Wright, they told us these uh, these stories, two, two awesome Frank Lloyd Wright things. Um, a, he would he would he was constantly in debt and he would always borrow money from his friends and then never pay him them back. And he considered that a matter of principle that if you were stupid enough to lend money to me, you don't deserve to get paid back. <laughs> the, se- the second thing was that he was like such an egomaniac in terms of like. I made a house and the house that I made is the way it should be is that he wouldn't emboss his name on like the outside of the house as like, this is my house unless you accepted his original blueprint a hundred percent. If you change anything in the house, he considered it no longer his house and you wouldn't be oh, able wow. to call it a Frank Lloyd Wright house anymore. That's control good. freak. Yeah. yeah. Control Frank. Yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. Control Frank. Very nice. Um, do you guys have places where you live now? Obviously, Brandon and I spent a long time in the city where you live. Yeah. Uh, but that are like your favorite. So Casey has her, you know, her lists of like her favorite uh, buildings, and, and mm. she shows us really like her top. I think she goes through her top five and talks about the, the one that's in like the top twenty. Do you guys have any buildings or places that you really really like? I mean, not really, not really here. Um, probably like in, in in law school, I had like places in Philly that I would like to go yeah. sit, like to to read or study or mm-hmm. on campus. But um, yeah, my neighborhood isn't like the most aesthetically pleasing place. <laughs> yeah, not not really buildings for me. More um, like parks because we have mm-hmm. so many pocket parks in DC. We're we're a city of nothing if not pocket parks and giant buildings that are really nice to look at. But um, yeah, I guess, like, it's really cool to sit outside Ford's Theater on the steps and just, like, sip a cup of coffee and think about, you know, the history of what happened there and, you know, went, came and went through those doors. I mean, having worked there, I kind of know, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it that was one of my favorite things to do was after a day of work, you know, sit outside for, like, an hour with a cup of coffee and just relax and watch watch the street traffic go by and people watch but yeah, there's um, definitely good people watching yeah it's um yeah i don't really have a favorite building other than ford's theater i don't think yeah, yeah. i love the i mean the inside of the portrait gallery in dc as oh well. yeah for sure um, yeah. outside it's yeah it's fine it's like a lot yeah. other i mean dc's got some cool monuments um yeah you know the, the national building museum obviously has a cool building as well mm. um yeah and and around here there's spots on on Michigan State's campus that are really beautiful, even when there's not yeah. a football game going on. Um, so there's spots that I like to hang out there too, um, and that's definitely a connection, right? That this movie, you know, we picked this movie because it's about somebody who's interested in architecture that has a different job. So that is our our lead connection to Five Hundred Days of Summer. But also in Five Hundred Days of Summer, um, 
and I can't even remember the le- the main character's name, but Jess Gordon Levitt's mm-hmm. character in Five Hundred Days of Summer, he has that spot where he likes to sit. Now it's not multiple yeah. spots; it's just one. But he has his spot where he likes to sit and watch yeah. people. And it's it's about landmarks. Sometimes life is about you know where your favorite place is and what your favorite thing to do is, and finding that happy place. Mm-hmm. You know, That's... yeah. And and uh, I think that you know I think we could probably use this time to hop into other connections to yeah. Um, the last movie i think there's you know for me there's there's definitely in this movie like a lot of a lot of symmetry and and visual styling um you know when she said patterns that's when i was like oh that's what we're looking at we're looking at all these different kinds of patterns like symmetry or asymmetry um different colors that are showing up in a row i mean there are definitely like when she goes to interview for the job there's colors that are popping um and you know, I think that we saw that to an extent in 500 Days of Summer. I mean, it was it was visually styled in a, in a very particular way. So mm-hmm. I think that was another connection that was not something I was expecting with this. For sure. You know, and this is sort of a sliding doors moment for both of these characters where they're meeting at this very specific place in time and they just maybe aren't met for each other right now. Just like, um, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character and... Um, you know, his love interest in 500 Days, you know, they, they they spent the whole movie, he spent the whole movie thinking they were right for each other, but maybe they're not, and now they're going to go on to live different lives, and maybe they'll, <coughs> you know, find each other again someday down the road, but probably not. And the two main characters in this probably won't ever see each other again. Well, I think they will see each other, because if she comes back, yeah, and he's still there. I mean, he's renting a place, and Parker Posey's character, uh, Eleanor, even says, like, did you rent a place that's week to week? And he says, no, month to month. So that's showing his growth. He's going to commit here as long as his father needs him, even though his father has not been there for him during his life. Um, And they have a strained relationship. So, you know, he might be creating some of the beauty in the city of Columbus. Mm Mm-hmm. What exactly was Parker Posey's relationship to him? I think she was like uh, his assistant, research assistant, or something or like that. Or his father's caregiver, or something? Yeah, that's what I heard. Oh, was it a caregiver? A yeah, yeah, I thought she worked like in the school or something. Like she was like a research yeah. assistant or oh, something like yeah. that. I don't think but... it's because he wasn't sick before this. He was fine before this. Correct. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how that's how I read it. Yeah. Um, the only the only connection that I thought of was um, it reminded me kind of like the small town from Hot Fuzz. Um, yeah. And with the Mike Pence uh, connection, maybe we'll say uh, they want to make Columbus great again. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, uh, also, with high fidelity, she talks about her she talks about specifically her top five buildings in the city. Right. Uh, yeah. So that connects to high fidelity. Um, is Haley Lou Richardson a manic pixie dream girl for Joe's character? I don't think so. But I mean, you guys know that better than no, I. I don't think so at all. Like we we, okay. we see a lot of her having nothing to do with him, and we we learn about her and her mom, and like she doesn't exist just for Jin. I don't think. I think she. I think, uh, I think if anything, I... I would argue like it starts off with him as the main character, and by the end, I would argue she's even more of a main character than him. Right. Like more becomes her story than his. Mm-hmm. I think. But yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think they're at, at worst they're like equals in this story. Okay. Yeah. And I think that we do get a little bit of the way Summer didn't. We didn't know anything about Summer. Um, mm. outside of her relationship. I think that you could put that on a lot of characters in this movie. Um, of yeah. course, the the whole thing with the mom is uh, Casey is worried that her mom is doing drugs again when she can't reach her. Right. And um, we even have that great scene, which I really liked, where uh, where Casey and Jen are standing outside of where her mom is cleaning the building and they're watching oh, yeah, her through incredible. the windows. Yeah. So there's another example of really great framing and even that was just yeah that was visually incredible i love i loved that scene that, and that it was like a cool it was a cool way for that the yeah. visual 
framing device to actually work its way into the plot because she's yeah. watching through the windows and it actually plays into the plot where she can see that they're avoiding her calls. Mm-hmm. And so she thinks her mom is using drugs again. Well, it turns out, no, her mom is dating another guy again. Right. Um, and uh, but we don't know. We don't know so much about any of the other characters. We don't know anything about Jin's dad. We don't know anything about Eleanor. We don't even know really what she does. And that's a lot like in 500 Days of Summer. There's so many characters, mm-hmm. especially Summer, that we don't know anything about. Well, it's funny because we also don't know that much about Jin because all of the conversations he has on his phone aren't dubbed. That's true. So we don't we he himself is sort of an unknowable character to a degree. Like, yeah. you know, um, Haley Haley Lou, you know, breaks him out of a certain amount of his shell, but you really don't know much about him as a character in the end that you didn't already know at the beginning, except that he has decided to stay there and help his dad. And that he was in love at one point with Eleanor and tried to told her he loved her. And he was, he's apparently a lot younger than her. They looked like the same age to me, but yeah, see, that was hard for me. I wasn't sure how old she was supposed to be and how old he was supposed to be. Um, yeah. So I I wasn't sure about that. Um, It was kind of unclear. Uh, in case he doesn't have a smartphone, she has a dumb phone as well. That's another yeah. point. <laughs> I noticed her talking on it, and then I was like, oh, does this movie not take place now? Does this movie take place in, like, 2007? And then, no, it's actually become something that's, like, a discussion topic. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, any, you guys have anything else to say on this before we move on to feedback? So I noticed there were a lot of scenes in this movie where the audio intentionally dropped out. Yes. Or was intentionally way too low and I couldn't hear what was going you know, it on. Dropped, it dropped out based and, on the captions. Yeah, or not at all. There were no captions. Like there was the one scene in front of the um in front of the store window when you know um when she's telling him about her favorite things and then he's like, Okay, tell me about your favorite thing, and then you don't hear her reaction. You uh, don't hear what she's actually saying through the window because you're seeing through like a soundproof window, so you don't actually see what she's saying as she's mouthing it. So I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and that was when she talks about why she likes. He asks her why she likes architecture, and exactly. she starts yeah, giving yeah, yeah. a like data focused answer. And he asks like, "No, what do you love about it?" And then they right. drop it, so you don't actually find out what it is that she loves about exactly. it. Exactly, and I thought and, that, yeah, was, that really was intentional. intentional. Yeah, yeah, it was a great. It was a great choice because it's like that's this is something very private to her, and it's another example of uh, not knowing much about. Uh, you know, about our, our characters. Yeah, and it's I think it's a intentional um only really getting to the surface of these characters and not to until the very end. You know, mm-hmm. it's keeping them at a distance. Yeah. So so all right. Uh Av, do you have anything else to say about this before we get into feedback and our ratings? No, let's hear it from the listeners. All right, let's hear what our listeners had to say. Uh, of course, every week when we talk about these movies, you can tweet at us or email us and let us know what you think and you can send in your rating as well on a one to five star so i'm just pulling up the feedback that we got in yeah start with jeff as we always do so jeff was the first feedback i saw of this movie and uh, (laughs) he sends it to me and then i always say okay i'm not reading that because i haven't seen the movie yet but what he said was he said i watched columbus didn't like it Thought it moved way too slow and didn't really have any redeeming plot points or dialogue. It wasn't bad enough to turn off, but I kept waiting for it to get going, and then it ended. So, uh, Jeff was not a fan. Surprised, because, you know, it's about mother-daughter relationships. I would think Jeff having daughters would 
uh, get something out of it. But, you know, maybe his relationship is different with his daughters than the characters in this movie, which I would assume is the case. All right, yeah, quite possibly. Uh, our good buddy Jim wrote in with a pretty much polar opposite position of uh, Jeff. So the prolific Jim Cromley says, nice choice, guys. Columbus is a good movie that I probably would not have otherwise watched, which is a great compliment to us. It's a goal of ours to introduce new movies to you guys. Yep, guys. that's the point of the podcast. Uh, yeah, he gives it He gives it a four. Uh, anyone else? Was anyone else taken out of the movie by the fact that Casey didn't recognize the name Jim, though? How could she have not been a Lost fan or have had Watch, Lo- Watch Lost when she's that young? I kind of agree, but I also kind of see it. I don't know. She, she probably didn't watch Lost. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't think, I did think about the Lost connection because... Uh, the Jim-Jim the Jim, yeah. Jim thing was quite funny, especially coming from someone named Jim. Yeah, and, and we, had, um, we had the Lost uh, box set in 500 Days of Summer last week. Oh, so yeah, great yeah. connection. Well, there you go. Oh. There you go. Unintentional gym connection. <laughs> I do Jim. think that she worked at the library. She probably had access to the Lost DVDs. She probably so did. Should right. have, I mean, if she hasn't watched Lost yet, she should check it out. She probably watched all of 24, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I do think, like, you actually could kind of connect the radio, the record store, to mm-hmm. the, the library, library, just in terms of, like, I being agree. in a place with a whole bunch of physical media. And uh, also the... Where people hang out all day and talk about... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. meaningless bullshit yeah right so you can connect <laughs> much, it to a much less fun school. version yeah, yeah high fidelity and 500 days of summer and so. quirky characters who work there yeah for sure so all right um oh and jeff gave it a two jim gave oh, it a four yeah two to four so we're average out to a three through two mm-hmm. people yep uh, we had a new listener to write in this week named molly so welcome to the club molly hope you're enjoying the podcast she says hi all really enjoyed the podcast oh she answered was, you. yeah exactly <laughs> Well, now you're just throwing me off. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I look forward to your thoughtful conversation each week. Sending in my thoughts for Columbus since I had recently watched it on the Criterion channel. Hey, me too. My rating is a three star. My, my rating of three stars is lower than average rating. So I guess I had some problems with it. The architecture is, of course, amazing. The visual direction is five stars. The actors were also very good. I even watched the other two movies with Haley Lou Richardson just off of this performance. I just wanted more story for these characters. There wasn't enough for me to understand their motivation. Some of the dialogue was great. I guess it just fell short for me overall. So she's right in line with everything right so far with the, an average of three out of five stars. Zach, what does Olin have to say? Oh, yeah. Thank you for giving me Olin. He wrote, uh, speaking of libraries, Olin wrote us a book here. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll parse some stuff out. Um, All right. So Olin said, wow. Okay. Firstly, there's a lot in this film that I can admire and respect. It is very apparent from the off uh, that it is very focused on shot composition, symmetry, and architecture. Agreed on all of those points. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said it's very well shot. Although a uh, very static bar and some slow paced tracking scenes. So uh, he said emotionally, the film could connect with people of a certain mood or frame of mind. I think specifically people who are quarantined with quarantining with their parents, maybe would be those kind of. Yeah, people. There you go. Uh, he said he wasn't in the mood. Uh, and so emotionally, it left him kind of cold. Uh, and he personally found it to be just an awful movie. Oh, this is not going the direction I was thinking it was going. Uh, I thought, wow, it was a good thing. Uh, I said, I found it to be just an awful movie, barring just one brief scene. My main interest would be in the characters, and they rarely did anything for me. Uh, 
let's see. He also said also the actual architecture didn't grab him. He could totally see this film totally turning off George Costanza's Art Vandalay Art Vandalay alias uh, <laughs> and make him stop wanting to ever be an architect. Maybe he'd want to be an inner city planner if he had the misfortune of watching this. Um, all right. So he then said the static shots made him feel like he worked back to 1990 mm-hmm. and the tracking shots called too much attention to themselves. Oh, interesting. The I think boring. he said the 1900s, actually. Oh, 1900. <laughs> You're right. Yes. That makes sense. Uh, the character is boring and uninteresting. It might be a reflection of a lot of life, but it is not something I want to watch for my escapism. The one scene I liked was the only time I felt any genuine in-your-face conflict. That is when Jin told Casey to escape from her mom to better herself, and she responded that he would be the type to think that because he just wants his dad dead. I did. We didn't really talk about that, but that is an we interesting... We talk about the, the that, yeah. scene. Yeah, I thought that was a really good scene as well. Um, and that's when I thought the movie really hit that emotional high point that I thought it was building towards from the couple scenes before it. But yeah, I, I, I do think that that was good crackling dialogue. I thought that was probably the peak of when the actors were at their best too. Um, and it's when we get a look into the Korean culture that Jin's a part yeah. of as well. So we did earlier in the movie have uh, some scenes around the outside and the inside of a church and they talk about religion. And then, you know, um, Jin is anti-religion. He thinks that yeah. it's uh you know, he said there's some good stuff, but it's mostly bad. But then when they get into when they get into his tradition, his tradition is that, you know, in, in Korea, you stay with somebody until they pass on. Uh, right. So they don't die alone, which I think is a good thing to do. Uh, don't let people yeah. die alone. It's so uh, and he finally comes around to that. So, yeah, it did. It did leave us with some conflict between them and a little bit more about Jen. So uh, he yeah. said his ratings, he is giving it a 0.5 out of five stars. Is lower than Brothers Bloom, which he gave a one out of five stars. So. Well, that's still going to average us out to a three because we like to round up here. So yes. we're still um, going to land on a three from the listeners. Yeah, I uh, forgot Olin didn't give it a good rating. Because when I saw yeah, Wild, that I was, was sweet. Olin likes this movie, and he wrote a yeah, lot about with, it. So. Without Jim's four, this definitely would have been like a two from the listeners. But good job, Jim. You saved the listener score. Good job, Jim slash Jim. Go All Jim's. right. Let's see what our ratings are. So who yeah. starts on this one? Um, I'm going to go last. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so as I said, um, I thought this film had a lot to say. I didn't necessarily agree with the tone, setting, pacing, a character's way of saying it. But visually, I thought it was pretty well done, um, especially for a first-time filmmaker. Uh, kudos, kudos to the filmmaker for working his ass off visually to make a visually interesting film um i just wish there had been more there from the plot and the characters to help prop prop up the story a little more um and i think i have to agree with the listeners but a little less and i'm gonna give it a 2.5 2.5 for and this is maybe one of my lowest scores ever. yeah i think this is your lowest that you've given. it might be my lowest score ever actually um because <laughs> i feel bad no i also gave insomnia 2.5 Mm. So this is my well, second 2.5 ever. Yeah. All right. Bob, <laughs> how about you? Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm basically in the same boat uh, as Brendan um, in terms of his analysis, uh, echoing what I said earlier, just a very pretty film to look at. It really, like, opens your eyes and, like, makes you focus uh, where it wants your attention. Um, but 
again, yeah, the characterization, the plot just kind of really never hooked me at any point. Um, maybe at the very end, there was like some drama that I started to get a little bit interested in. But by then, I was kind of just checked out on the movie. Um, but I think that the the stylistic elements of the movie are enough that I'll give it a 3.0 out of 5. Um, but, you know, it, it, to get past that, you really need to do more um, story-wise or character-wise or something. So give me something to latch on to. And this, uh, this movie just didn't do that. All right. Well, I'm going last because I want to leave everybody with a good taste in their mouth. So I'm going to be higher than you guys on this movie. Um, I didn't think so from the first half of it. I thought it was just kind of a pretty piece of art, but I think it really comes around by the end of the movie. Um, I will say with the way the movie looks, I think of all the movies we've seen, this is the most beautiful. And uh, it is just topping um, a thin red line, the thin red line. Um, I was trying to think of other movies we watched that are just like so visually stunning. And I think this one... Um, especially just the way I think I am a very like mathematical and pattern person. So I like symmetry. I like patterns. So visually, I think it's really cool what they do. I love what they do with reflections throughout this movie and going back to the same shot and the way that they shoot some of the, some of the architecture. Uh, I do agree with you guys. The plot is not as strong as other movies. Um, but I do think that by the end of the movie, the journey the characters have taken was enough for me. And it was something that I could kind of latch onto right now. Uh, acting was you know, uh, hit and miss. Um, but I do think there's some really great scenes in this and, uh, just something that, especially rewatching the first part of the movie again, um, I would, I would encourage anybody who has this right now that has just recently seen this just to go back to it and, and rewatch just the first 20 minutes of this movie. Cause I think it pays off quite a bit. So I'm going to give this a four star. Um, wow, you own yeah. it. Higher than I was expecting, but yeah. um, I will say that the the last little bit, especially when Casey decides to leave and the scene between Casey and her mom, um, and there's a line that she says, I hope my mom is going to be okay. And uh, I don't know that part. Like, I didn't quite cry, but I was actually like getting very close at the end of this movie. I was I was pretty moved by the end of this movie. I think the thing that threw me out of that is how did her character and Parker Posey's character even know each other? Oh, through Jin. Well, I mean, there's a time but there's a time they- jump at the end of this movie right but they hadn't met at any other point in that movie so like them being in a car together and her crying on her shoulder didn't make any sense to me well um yeah i think that Jin, like you know Jin was clearly her and Jin became better and better friends throughout this and um i think Jin was that, helping her get to the where she was getting dropped off and that just asked she, the audience to take a leap that i well like they, they but they but, yeah, they they imply that there has been a big time jump because it's like she's like, I'm going to go to college. And then the next scene, she's leaving for college. So there's clearly uh, like some time has passed. Look, well, that is still going to lead us to an average of a three point one two eight, which we're going to round out to a three overall. So there we go. That's indicative of, of I think it's the, right. We're right down the middle. Yeah, oh. I think this movie in a different time, I might not have uh, gotten so into it. I think in a movie theater, it might be different seeing this movie where you're it's your full attention. Um, yeah. I will also let's see. Uh, so the movie won the 2017 Golden Brick mm-hmm. from Film Spotting, which I'm also quitting this podcast and joining Film Spotting because I'm more in line with their views. Uh, <laughs> so this one beat uh, Raw, which yeah. was a movie uh, also about a girl who goes to college um, yeah. and discovers a new passion. It also beat Brigsby Bear, which Brendan and I both saw. That's with which is uh, also about someone in a small town trying to learn how to grow up. True, uh, yeah. Lady Macbeth, which I never saw. Nope. And Loving Vincent, which I also never saw. So, um, yeah, 
That those are the five. So Columbus was the winner over those five. Some other recent film spotting uh, Golden Brick winners. Miney the Gap won the following year. Yeah, and, and that was probably my favorite year of Golden Bricks that were nominated that year. That was the year I've seen the most from. Um, really great nominees that year, and Miney the Gap is a really fantastic, uh, fantastic movie. And then last year, last Black Men of San Francisco. Yeah. So, um, they definitely pick interesting movies. They might not all be the best, but they're very interesting. So. All right, so let's move on to our ladder connections. Of course, every week you can send us your ladder connections on a Twitter at Ladder Movies or email us themovieladder at gmail.com with your feedback on the movie that we select as well as any movie that connects to it in any way that you can think of. So we, let's go through our listener connect. Yeah, let's go through our listener suggestions. Uh, Jeff originally only had one; he sent me two others. So his first was Sweetland. I've never heard of Sweetland. He said the connection is along the lines of being a small town about life and people doing their duty and making their best lives. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a movie I really love. So Jeff is a big fan of Sweetland. I don't know anything about it. If somebody wants to pull it up, um, the other pull movie. Up, pull it up yeah, right now. All right, the other movie that he uh, suggested was A Walk in the Clouds. Uh, and I was like, is that the romantic comedy with Keanu Reeves? And it is the romantic comedy with Keanu Reeves. He says the connection there is it is, again, about duty or obligation. And the last one was another one that I actually thought of, but I was not going to suggest it because I know I've just recently watched sports movies. Uh, and that is starring Gene Hackman, the Hackman. It is about a small town in Indiana, and that is Hoosiers. So Jeff's three are Sweetland, Hoosiers, nice. and A Walk in the Clouds. Do you find anything out about Sweetland? Uh, Sweetland is a movie set in 1920s. Uh, I don't know if this is the right movie. Uh, it's about a young girl named Inga traveling from Germany to rural Minnesota in order to meet the man she's desired to be her husband. That sounds like that. That sounds right. So, uh, yeah, that one, sounds about right. Yeah, from it's from 2005. Yeah, 2005. Uh, there you go. Yeah. All right. Sweetland. All right. Uh, let's see. What do we got next? We've got Jim. He suggested the Frighteners. Uh, and uh, both movies are based around architects. Jin's father is the yep. architect, which brings Jin and Casey together, plus their shared love of smoking. Michael J. Fox's character in The Frighteners is also an architect. Yep. And it's a um, early Peter Jackson film. Oh, um, it is? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, one of his first movies. I have never seen it, but it's always been on my, like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about this movie. I should watch this. It's still haven't watched it. Hmm. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's one I'd be interested in, for sure. All right. Uh, Molly suggested, based on the Parker Posey role in this movie, Waiting for Guffman. She says it's got a hilarious Parker Posey role in it. And it also centers around characters in a small town where a visitor could change their future. Yeah, and Guffman is a uh, one of the early Christopher guest verses. Yep. So, so we that did talk about that earlier. Some, yeah, that could lead us to some really interesting directions. Um, I've never, Guffman is one of the guest movies I've never seen, so there we go. Yep. Listeners and, uh, coming in strong. Shout out Molly. Molly included her letterbox. So if you're on letterbox, you oh, can yeah. follow her. Veggie dog with two G's. I appreciate that. I have some veggie dogs in my fridge right now. Uh, veggie dog with two G's. So I, I just followed her. So she has a picture of a cat as her profile picture. So irony. Yeah. All right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. What else do we got? Olin, despite my distaste for this movie. Uh, there are a lot of movie links I came up with. Wondering if anyone mistakenly watched the recent Hindi film called Columbus by Mistake. He said he wished he did. 
looked far more interesting from the brief 10 seconds he saw. Oh, man, Olin is really... Man, Olin. Olin is that happy with us. Yeah. All right, so... Now I wish I loved this just to piss off Olin. I know, right? Usually you and Olin are in disagreement. It's me and Olin this week. So he said his movies... The first one is Carry On Columbus. The link is Columbus in the title. Yes, Columbus. That's that's the name you want to be... <laughs> all, your movies based on all Columbus movie podcasts these days. Um, and uh, let's see. He also said Wings of Desire and a scene set in libraries. Oh, interesting. Um, I've heard of Wings on Desire. Wings of Desire. I've never actually seen it. Um, either. Um, apparently it's set in Cold War Berlin. That could be interesting. Might get us out of the U.S. for once. That'd be yeah. fun. Um, yes, Cold War Berlin. All right. And this one... Uh, uh, Oh, and I can pretty much guarantee we are not picking this just because of the connection. But he suggested Manhattan, the Woody Allen film from 1979. And his link is a romance between a 40-year-old man and a teenage girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're just going to stay away from Woody Allen for a little while, right? I don't think it's even the Woody Allen. I actually saw Manhattan, and that that <laughs> link is very strange in that movie. Um, but, yeah, I don't really want the podcast title to be like, oh, what is the uh, – why did you guys pick Manhattan this week? Oh, because it's another movie about, like, an old dude and a teenage <laughs> relationship. Well, we also, also don't know how old John Cho is. Also, what? we don't know if they had a – like, she slept in his bed, and he slept on the chair. Right. He slept in so, a chair, so it wasn't that romantic. I mean, yeah, he's I, trying to hook up – he's trying to hook up with his dad, T.A., and she's trying to hook up with her library friend. So I don't think they're – I think their relationship is pretty platonic. Yeah, I think they're – it's like yeah. a mentor-mentee relationship is kind of how I yeah. took it. Or and just like, ships passing in the night. As you yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's a fort match yeah. more than anything, if anything. All right. Uh, what are your suggestions this week? Okay, I have three. Um, the first is going to be a movie that I have not seen. It's a uh, adaptation of a Philip Roth novel, although one of the few Philip Roth novels that I have not seen, um, that I have not read, sorry. Um, that is I, Goodbye Columbus from 1969. Oh, isn't that what, uh, what was no. the one that Olin suggested? No, oh, Carry on Columbus. Yes, yeah, this is Goodbye Columbus. Plus. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a Philip Roth novel. And then my other two are... Would be rewatches for me. I don't know if you guys have seen these. The first is A History of Violence, uh, one of the few other movies that takes place in Indiana. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that was um, in Indiana. I forgot about that. Yeah, it takes place in Indiana. And then... I think I um, suggested that a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, I think I, someone recently did. And then for my last suggestion, I will go with a, a recent John Show movie that I loved. It was one of the most original, cool movies mm-hmm. I've seen in a number of years that I think pretty much anyone who sees it would love. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called yep. Searching. Yep. Um, and the movie takes place entirely on different various screens. And it's just was really, one of my really, really incredibly movies. done. Was, that, would yeah. be fun to, that would be fun to check out again. Also, yeah. the yeah. connection there is like a, a father and his daughter. So parent connect, parent yeah, child connections true. as yeah. well. Yeah. Even think that's um, what are the other Philip Roth books? I don't know if I've ever heard of Philip Roth. Um, his, probably his most famous one is Portnoy's Complaint. Uh, but he also wrote American Pastoral. He wrote The Plot Against America, which was recently made into an HBO miniseries. Oh, yeah. um, he wrote The Ghost Writer. Um, I'm having trouble remembering. The, the Human Stain is another one of his really famous ones. You're so bookish, Rob. I don't know like any of these. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I read a lot of Philip Roth novels in uh, okay. college. Yeah. So right. I have like any nice Jewish boy does. <laughs> Is yes. he a Jewish writer? Yeah, yeah. and very Jew, very Jewish themed. Like all his characters are Jewish for the most part. Like, <laughs> okay. 
All right. So I, have four, I have four connections this week, none of which were movies I've ever seen. So I'm very oh, good. excited. Cool. So based off of the fact that Koganada is a South Korean filmmaker, I wanted to explore the possibility of going to two other South Korean filmmakers. One is, of course, one best director and best picture last year, Bong Joon-ho, but I'm not going for Parasite. I want to see The Host. Oh, The Host. I have never seen The Host. Uh, And another movie that came to mind that is a recent movie that's gotten a lot of acclaim from a South Korean filmmaker is Burning from Lee Chung-dong. So I want to throw in Burning. So, uh, so I uh, had burning on my list. I thought about pulling it, and then uh, occasionally I'll go pick a movie and look at it on Letterboxd and see a certain host has rated it very lowly. So, uh. <laughs> so my my story on about burning is I, I know it's a, I know it's a movie that a lot of people really love. Um, yeah. Almost every year when it gets to like beginning of January, and I I like to like be done with my year list for the previous year and just like move on. Um, so like usually by like January fifteenth, January twentieth, I'm like okay, done with this you know most recent year's movies and that's it and i'm moving on um but because i live out on long island um like we don't always get all the movies like right away and certainly not like smaller movies so i almost every year will like do one day where i'll take off from work and go into the city and go to like hop around to like three or four different theaters and like see all the the last few movies that i won't be able to see before the end of my made-up deadline and i think burning was movie number four of Mm. a four-day marathon and it's like a really, really, really slow movie in, in Korean. Um, so it was like really, it was like not the right experience. So I would, I'm open to revisiting it, although like I'm not super Let's excited see to see it again since it's, it's a real slow burn, uh, pun okay. not intended. Yeah. Uh, uh, so George Clooney made a movie several years ago where he plays a husband with children going through the grieving process when his wife falls into a coma. And I've never seen this movie, but I know the basic plot of it. And it reminded me a lot about of what um, John Cho is going through with his dad in this movie. And that's The Descendants. Yep. I believe you're, talk- I came you're out- talking about the uh, the Disney Channel movie about the uh, children of yeah, fairy tale yeah, characters, absolutely. right? It's that my, um, that they, my children they're are like obsessed little with. Mice. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is a real. It's a real thing. There's been three of them. My kids are obsessed with them. Yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely. Is yeah, it just descendants? Is it like the difference between room and the room? Yeah. It's uh yeah. no. It's like it's literally. It's like the kids of like all your favorite Disney characters and yeah. like hmm. the next generation of how they all interact. It's fun. Who's the so, best kid um, of all the Disney characters? Um, I think like the main best? characters is like Belle and Beast's kids. Yeah. Half man, half beast. Well, he's a man at the end of the movie. <laughs> And then my, I was only going to do those three, and then during our conversation about film spotting Golden Bricks, I realized there's actually a pretty obvious connection between uh, loving, Vin, loving Vincent being a film spotting Golden Brick winner the same year as this, and the fact that it's about art, and this movie is very much about art. Mm-hmm. So I want to throw Loving Vincent into my picks for this week. I almost picked that I, one as well. It's interesting because so, it actually last black man in San Francisco would also be not a bad connection because it's also about yeah. attachment to a city and it's specifically it's like place. physical artifices in that city. Um, and and the, another Golden Brick winner. So yeah, and all Golden Brick movies are, the, are the same. The actual house and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Oh yeah, and the house. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys haven't seen Last Black Man in San Francisco, I think we all would. Oh, highly recommend. That. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it the first time. I absolutely loved it the second time. So if you only saw it once, watch it a second yeah, time. I feel like yeah. I'm 
I loved it the first time and like lo- lo- loved 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 it the second time. Yeah. Um, but it's not for everyone. There's a scene. There's a scene towards the middle of the movie that's a musical scene, which I feel like there's a musical scene in this movie that. All right, Zach, what do you got for us? All right, my connections. Let's see. So I actually had quite a few written down. So I'm. I am. Going through them right now. Uh, the first, I feel like, is like the most obvious connection from this movie, and I'm actually surprised nobody mm-hmm. brought it up. And I did not want to pick a movie I'd seen before, but I'm going to suggest Lady Bird, which is another one of yeah. my absolute favorites. Um, it came out the same year as uh, as as this movie. As um, uh, what is the name? Why am I blanking now? Um, Columbus. Columbus. As Columbus. Jesus. <laughs> uh, two beers deep, and I can't remember the name of the movie Ooh, we're, yes. we're podcasting about. Uh, yes. So Lady Bird came out the same year as Columbus. It is uh, about a girl who's about to go off to college, but the complications that come with that and leaving her family. Um, yeah. Another one is a movie I suggested last week. I'm going to suggest it again this week. That's Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming. It's about people of that adolescent age just trying to figure out how they want to go on with their life. I think it does take place in a Midwest town as well, but it might be New York City. Um, Sorry, what was the second one? Oh, kicking, uh, and kicking and screaming. Yep. Okay. Uh, another one is uh, it's interesting how much this movie actually already came up on the podcast before we even started mm. talking about Columbus. Uh, but it is a movie about somebody who leaves home from the Midwest, and uh, the colors really pop in this movie. Mm. After there is no color for the first fifteen twenty minutes of the movie, and that is the Wizard of Oz. Um, I just wow. think it. Ooh. Yeah, I think that it, it's, and I feel like there's and also the house uh, that falls on the Wicked Witch of the of Not the in Kansas West, anymore. East. Uh, yeah, the like I just did. I actually was in the shower, and all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, Wizard of Oz is a good connection." It's so. also a good uh, movie. It's also a good movie ladder connection to this week's episode of Pretty 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 Good, a Kirby Enthusiasm podcast, where uh, Larry and Jeff and Cheryl attend the party hosted by Ted Danson, and they dress up as the characters from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, <laughs> So we could just go all in on the the cinematic universe. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then we talked about the five bloods, which connects to there will be pod. So, um, all we got to do now is just figure out how we can connect this to like survivor token chains. We can connect to 32 fans as well. Um, all right. And then uh, I'm going to go with the fourth one as well. Um, so I, I'm torn between two. Um, I'm going to kick Elizabeth town to the curb. Cause I don't think it's probably a very good movie, but I did think I did get like serious Elizabeth, Cur- Elizabeth town vibes from, uh, from John Cho's character from Jin from this movie, but I'm going to go with, um, a movie about people who, uh, about a family and as well about people who are kind of serving them and, and cleaning after them, much like the housekeepers in this movie. So I'm going to go with Roma. Um, I, I know we've all seen Roma, but I think it would be an interesting one to revisit. Also, the way Roma is shot reminds me a lot of this, where there's a lot of scenes that are yeah. held. Um, and it's one that is can lose your attention, but it, it's, it's a lot of rewarding. Of silence. And it's a yeah. lot of. Yeah. And it's yeah, a lot but, about like interpersonal dynamics and mm-hmm. your family relationship to, you know, does around you. And yeah. Yeah, there's sure. one shot in particular where she's like cleaning inside the house. Yeah. And she like goes out the front door and the and the shot stays on like the living room where she was cleaning. And then you see her like walk out and you see her like through the the window to the front house, like walking mm-hmm. in front of the house, like taking out the garbage or something. Um a really cool, just like a visual and thematic shot that like really captures a lot of what the movie's yeah. going for. And as far as like the house visuals and the architectural visuals, I really wanted to pick Parasite. But I yeah. didn't want Parasite to was the first that one I guy. And yeah. I, I was like, if I'm going to pick a Bong Joon-ho, I want to pick one I haven't seen. And so I picked the hose. Yeah. But I really, like, Parasite was, in the first 20 minutes, Parasite visually was the first movie I thought of. 
For sure. So, I had the same yeah, I had the same I, thought. I had Parasite written down and I actually didn't even think about the architecture when I wrote it down. I yeah. wrote it down oh, more yeah. because it's like a Korean family drama. Yeah, um, that but yeah, the, architecture. Was, that geometric house that they live in, like yeah, it was all the a house. lot of similarities. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So what lots of good movies. All right, so let's go through the movies real quick and then we'll pick. So we have Sweetland, A Walk in the Clouds, Hoosiers, The Frighteners, Waiting for Guffman, Carry on Columbus, Wings of Desire, Manhattan Redacted. Goodbye, Columbus, A History of Violence, Searching, The Host, Burning, The Descendants, Loving Vincent, Lady Bird, Kicking and Screaming, The Wizard of Oz, and Roma. Um, I went last, so that means I get to pick first. Um, let's see. What do I want to pick? I'm going to go with Waiting for Guffman, because I've never huh. seen it before, and I don't nice. know anything about it. That's what I was going to pick. That's oh. what I was going to pick. Look at wow. Molly. Right. Molly so is should, coming should, in strong. Should we then, should we then just table the rest well, of this? If that's what all of us were going to pick? Well, let's see what else comes. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's see what everybody else is actually going to pick. Yeah, I have, I have not seen any of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, and yeah. they've like, all been on my and list this, for a long time, so it's probably This is the time. one blind spot for me of the Christopher Guest universe. We'll see if it comes up. Yeah, let's see if it comes up. All right, so I guess... Brennan, you were next, right? Yeah, Brennan, go ahead. Yeah, so if I'm not going to pick Wait for Guffman, then I would probably pick the movie that came up last week that I was very intrigued by and didn't end up picking, and that's going to be Kicking and Screaming. Kicking and Screaming. Yeah. All right, and Av? Um, I will go with Loving Vincent, which was another one from my list from a couple years ago that I never got to and probably never will unless we watch it next week, so... <laughs> But I'm I'm okay with that. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. I think we will have a lot of fun if we dive into the Christopher Guestiverse, even if it's just an actor connection in Piper Paribu. I mean Parker Posey. I mean Parker Posey. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think um, it's probably. We all, we all, I mean, we all, we, that's the first time we've all had the reaction. We were all going to pick this movie. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we, I think we I, just go with our gut. I think yep. we just go with our gut. Uh, congratulations at Veggie Dog with two G's. Your very first yeah. suggestion oh, wow. is the one that gets picked. So, Boom. nailed it. Um, oh, wow. I totally, I totally forgot that that was from our yeah, first time job, listener Molly. or first time, uh, first time emailer. Let's first say. time emailer. So, so, if you're listening and you've not emailed in, the bench is, the benchmark has been set. You the should email in because you might get a, you might get picked. So, um, Molly, when you do listen to this, if you want to record a short voicemail about why you picked, uh, why you picked Waiting for Guffman, you can send that to us. Um, just send it to the email, uh, themovieladder at gmail.com, or you can message yeah. us and, and we'll, uh, we'll clip it in because this is your pick. So, um, Waiting for Guffman is our movie for next week. The connection is Parker Posey as well as being set in a small town. It's a Christopher Guest movie. Um, I believe Brendan's the only one of us who has seen it, correct? No, I have not seen it. Oh, it's none of us have one, seen it? It's the one black hole in my uh, Christopher Guestiverse watching. Mm. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on Voodoo for free, but that's with ads. Um, oh. Otherwise, you're going to have to throw down four bucks for it. Ah, uh, okay. It's a small price to don't pay. Give, don't give us any go. Yeah. Don't watch it with ads. I mean, I guess uh, you can. If, the, if it's yeah, between that sure. and not watching it at all. Yeah. Um, we, we won't yuck your yum. Yeah. Um, all right. So with that, 
Wendy Gruffman's our pick next week. Av, what have you got going on? You already kind of teased pretty. pretty yeah, we're uh, we're starting season three of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, the episode called Chet's Shirt. The uh, the season three covers the uh, restaurant storyline. Larry, Ted, Jeff, some others investing in a restaurant. We'll see how that goes. And then sometime next week or the week after, there will be pod. We'll be returning for our June episode where we will be covering the Five Bloods and other movies relating to race and the police mm. in uh, in American nice. history. So we'll probably be doing a good amount of Spike Lee. Great. Um, have you guys already re- recorded pretty pretty good pod? Or are you recording that? Tonight? Uh, no, we will probably be recording that later tonight. So okay, I got a little bit of time. All right, and Brendan, how about you? Uh, not much else going on. Uh, still doing all the production stuff over at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, this week, as you said earlier, we're dropping our Age of Ultron recap, which I'm, uh, you and I were both a little less uh, high on after this recent rewatch. Columbus we'll is what, better. Yeah, we'll see what Josh and uh, we'll see what Josh and Kevin have to say, and then uh, you know everything going on with Down the Hatch as well, wrapping up season two of that. Um, yeah, just, uh, nothing, nothing personally going on. Everything's good. Uh, you can find me at Fidzy Brennan on Twitter and at Brockfins11 on Letterboxd. And, uh, Av is at Asinensky on all platforms. And I'm at Brooks ZA on all platforms. My brother and I are still digesting Dark. We, tomorrow yeah. we'll be recording our season two finale. Season three, the final season of Dark comes out this Saturday. So if you're catching up on Dark and you need some refreshers, check out Digesting Dark. We've got lots of... Um, deep dives into every episode. We're also going to do a season three preview slash Q and a podcast, uh, probably either Thursday and Friday. So if you're a dark fan and you have some questions coming into the season, send them to me at Brooks ZA and we'll make sure we get them in there. So digesting dark, it's been very fun to record. And then starting on Saturday, we'll be doing first watches of every episode, probably one a day to get through the third and final season of that crazy. So excited. Yeah, so excited for that show. I know, I'm gonna, I was thinking I'm going to be so upset when Dark is done because it's like it's been so I much know. of my attention. I'm like, right, what am I going to deep dive into next? Because there's like not that much yeah. new content coming out. So yeah, you and I, you and I might have to have a after Dark Dark next week. Yeah, um, just to yeah. talk a little bit about it. But yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. So um, yeah, and then doing this and doing trivia yeah. as well. So trivia's been going well. That's good fun. Yeah, yeah you guys played last night. You guys yeah. were the V ladder team. So we did pretty well, and then we lost all 20 points on the uh final question so we we could not name the third uh smith family collaboration from the will smith family so. yes so the final question that we had last our... night was i wanted people to name three of the five movies that members of the smith family have been in together so mm-hmm. it's will smith and jada pinkett smith they were in one movie together will smith and jaden smith were in two movies together Will Smith and Willow Smith were in one movie together, and Willow and Jada were in one movie together. So I needed three out of the five. You guys did not get all three of them. We did not. We did not. We got F and F. And then. Well, now people I, know two of the answers. I'm going to bleep those. I'm going to bleep what Brendan said in case yeah, you're playing well, along you and want to try to guess. Yeah. Give, yeah, give so. us the third. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, no, no. You can wait, let wait, us wait. know. Tweet at us if you guys <laughs> think you know the answer to this question, and we'll let you know if you're right or not. So. Yeah, well. Cut that right. part out then. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, uh, thank you guys all for listening. We will catch you next week when we talk about waiting for Guffman. This has been our discussion of Columbus.
never sleeping, working, making, some for selling, some for keeping, you will drool at the splendor of these magic stools.